Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Jo Milmine and this is episode 54, Yarn in the City, an interview with Alison Thistlewood and Rachel Brown. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back into the show. How are you? I hope you're all well uh, since last time I spoke to you and you're all enjoying a slice of summer, a little bit of summer knitting and get yourself some summer knitted socks on the go perhaps. I have been very well since the last time I spoke to you and I am enjoying a little break from the monotony of summer in Scotland, i.e. a little bit of sunshine. So I'm feeling quite perky. Hope that won't be too irritating for you. <laughs> Although I don't think you really listen to this podcast if you don't like a little bit of perk every now and again. So what have I got for you today? Well, I have an interview for you with the yarn in the City Girls. And they are, if you're not familiar with them, Alison Thistlewood and Rachel Brown. Between them, they have a handful of businesses, one of which is... Um, Yarn in the City and they host experiential knitting events um, various across uh, the south of the country predominantly so far in the UK and they are also the organisers of the Great London Yarn Crawl. I will be attending. If you are going to be attending please let me know because I would love to catch up with you and say hello in, uh, in real life if you will. I might be a little bit on edge. I'm not a big fan of London um, because I'm a northerner and um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like getting to the edge of the disc world. Once you get to the M25, it's another country for us northern folk. And so um, I'm, I, I'll probably be a little bit sort of, um, a little bit nervous, a little bit kind of wide-eyed with my little whippet and my flat cap and uh, taking in the big city. Now, the great London yarn crawl will be taking place on Saturday the 5th of September 2015. Around various shops of knitty and sewy and other crafty goodness in the Greater London area there are going to be 12 teams. Some of those have already sold out. Some of the routes have sold out. So if you are on the fence about attending my recommendation to you is get in there now and uh, get your hands on the tickets. The Proceeds from the crawl will go to Refuge, it's all for charity, so it's being altruistic really, and um, get in there and have some nitty fun. I've not attended in the past, but I have virtually via the medium of Instagram, slightly jealous, um, not going to lie to you, even though I am a northerner that's frightened of London, so... Um, the website is uh, yarninthecity.com. They also have a podcast, as I've mentioned, and they talk about all sorts of stuff. It's very kind of relaxed, quite chatty, uh, quite informal in terms of structure. Um, it's just like being in a room with them, really. And they both of them, as you will hear from the interview, are really good fun. They've got quite a good sense of humour and... Um, and they're quite energetic to be around. So I'm sure if uh, if you enjoy that sort of thing, and I'm assuming you do because you're listening to this podcast, then I think you'll probably enjoy them too. So head on over to them and give them a listen. 
Also taking place on the day, on Saturday, is the uh, Marketplace, which will be in um, Town Hall in Chelsea. And there's also going to be, just announced, I'm quite excited, I'm very excited, um, uh, Indie Designer Spotlight as part of the Marketplace. And there'll be various um, designers in that that you will have heard of before, such as Helen from Curious Handmade and Louise Aspangham, who has possibly the most awesome name ever, I love her surname, um, Inspiration Knits, she's going to be there. There's going to be Renee Callahan uh, from East London Knit, who's lovely, and... Um, also, someone that is a bit on my, like, star list that I would love to meet, who is Boo Knits. Nobody knows what her real name is. She's very mysterious. I'm pretty sure she's in the north somewhere, so I'm bound to like her, because all those northerners do like each other. Bit grumpy, but generally nice people. And uh, not her in particular, northerners in general. <laughs> I'm not saying she's grumpy at all. Um, But she's going to be there, and if you're not familiar with her work, she does... An amazing lining, really beautiful, uh, intricate looking, but apparently very easy to achieve beaded shawls. If she doesn't pop to your mind immediately from her name, if I showed you any of the pictures of her shawls, you would know it's her because she's got a very distinct look to the way she photographs her knitwear and to her design aesthetic. She is a big advocate of big beads. She's the reason why I use them. Um, big triangular beads rather than slightly smaller ones because she advocates using uh, lovely big shiny beads and I am very much looking forward to going having a chat to her. So there's plenty of stuff going on for people. In addition to that, Kate Atherley, who uh, you will have uh, probably heard about before, is going to be over from Toronto. She has written a couple of books and uh, she will be displaying her wears in the Indie Designer Spotlight on the Saturday and on the Sunday there's going to be a couple of workshops so maybe if you're not available for uh, the Saturday but you fancy going along to her workshops um, there are a couple that are going to be running on the Sunday and um, if you're into pattern writing and designing then these could be a really good starting point for you. She's a very experienced um, pattern writer. And you've probably, she had a book out recently about pattern writing for knit designers, which you may have seen or heard in um, reviewed on other podcasts. I've not talked about it yet because I'm not a designer. <laughs> so, and you know what I'm like, I only talk about things that I'm interested in um, because then I can be fully entertaining for you guys. So... There's plenty going on that weekend and and a book and they've written a book as well, a pattern book and a, a guide to the kind of Great London Yarn scene um, which will be available soon. So I think it's going to be a reasonably long interview because um, we did get well into the chat. So um, brace yourselves, get yourselves some knitting out, get yourselves a cup of tea and what have you. And uh, we'll have a listen to what Yarn, uh, not Yarn, uh, Alison and Rachel uh, have to say about um, all things Yarn and business, really. If you have any questions uh, for them, then you can get in touch with them at hello at yarninthecity.com. So without further ado, I guess we better press on, my friends. So here's the interview.
um, I am thrilled to welcome Alison and Rachel to the show today and they're going to be here talking about all manner of things. It's probably going to get a little bit out of control. I foresee that happening already. There's been a bit of banter flying around already. Um, (laughs) So welcome to the show ladies. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us Joe. Super. I'm very excited to have you on the show. I think it's going to be a very lively interview. So you two ladies have, you wear a number of hats, let's let's be quite fair, um, but probably what... Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like JK, like Jamariquai, I want to have as many hats as he has. <laughs> That's quite, it's quite a goal. <laughs> <laughs> I need the entire hat to bolt. Um, but you ladies, you wear a number of hats, both individually and as a group, and people probably have heard most recently from you both as your co-venture, Yarn in the City. So can you tell us then a little bit about yourselves as people and a little bit about how you both came to be interested in Yarny Pursuits? Uh, Sure, Alison's telling me that I need to take this one first. So I uh, grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, I learned to knit from my grandmother when I was seven. And then I promptly put down the needles and didn't do anything with them again until I was in university um, when I started knitting again. And I more or less have not stopped since. Uh, Along the way, I have taken up spinning and dyeing, a bit of weaving, uh, the occasional small bit of crochet, and uh, designing my own uh, knitting patterns. So in the sort of knitting industry, those are the the hats that I've worn for a while. Um, I also have recently started doing some technical editing for independent knitwear designers. So with my vast amounts of free time, uh, <laughs> I, so- I somehow managed to cram in a little bit of that on most days. And purpose for. Well, yes, that's the dying part. Yeah. Dying so part, I, yeah. I uh, about three years ago, I started selling uh, hand-dyed spinning fiber online. And my shop is called Porpoise Fur which has a long story behind the name that at the recent I Knit Fandango people came up to me, more than one person came up to me and said, so I have to ask you this, do, do porpoises really have fur? It's like, mm, no, I don't think that they do. <laughs> <laughs> if they did, Rachel could find a way to spin it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so those are sort of the, the hats that I'm involved in outside of Yarn in the City, which I think we can talk about in more detail Yeah, in a bit. Does that mean it's my turn? It's your turn. Um, Okay. Um, I learned to knit from my grandma years ago and came back to knitting uh, when I was pregnant with my son um, because I was on bed rest for a couple of weeks and then home rest for a while and I wasn't really allowed to go anywhere or do anything and thought I would knit him a sweater, uh, which I did, garter stitch, very lumpy. Um, But uh, I have a marketing communications background And um, when we moved over here um, three years ago, I was taking time off and um, my husband said to me, he's like, why don't you see if there's something you can do, you know, with all this yarn and fiber stuff that you like. And um, I approached Felicia at um, Sweet Georgia Yarns and asked if she was looking for a sales rep and looking to expand in the UK and the EU. 
And um, she said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And so that's sort of how I got started in the business over here is working as a sales rep um, for Sweet Georgia and then have slowly gotten into doing um, the marketing and communications again um, with my own consultancy. So that's the other the other hat that I wear. And it was really through doing research for Sweet Georgia and just about the industry in general that um, I was going to a lot of yarn shops in London and Poor Rachel, thing. Rachel kept coming along with me. I, I, every Friday I'd be like, so I'm going to go to this yarn shop today. Do you want to come with? <laughs> no, and no after, I don't like yarn shops at all. <laughs> and after about three weeks in a row of this, Rachel says, I kind of feel like we've been doing this yarn crawl on the tube. And I said, well, you know, they do this thing in Toronto. Let me tell you about it. And described the, the TTC knit along, which is um, an event that I've done there before. And they've been, this is their 10th year, actually, wow. the TTC knit along. Um, they, uh, so I explained to Rachel what this was and she said, huh, we could do that. And I said, yes, yes, we could. (laughs) And see, when I say things like, oh, we could do that. My mind goes, yeah, it would be, you know, that would be kind of fun. And then nothing happens. When you say something like that to Allison, all of a sudden, six weeks later, you're, you know, frantically looking at the TFL website, trying to organize how to get from shop A to shop B to shop C within a reasonable period of time. And you don't know what exactly happened. (laughs) so yes uh key key secret um in any business negotiations always make the other person feel like it's their idea (laughs) (laughs) or their fault yeah well that too (laughs) depends on the day so how did you guys meet each other then well it will come as no surprise to anybody who listens to our podcast that our first meeting involved uh, large amounts of coffee um, in the autumn of 2012, mm-hmm. we, I had signed up to go to the, uh, P3 retreat in Wales run by Brenda Dane and Amy Singer. And they had a thread on their board on Ravelry about, you know, people chatting with each other before they were going to the, to the retreat. And this person posted on the thread and said, my visa finally came through. So I will be arriving in London on you know, Saturday and yeah. leaving for the retreat two oh, weeks later. Two weeks later. <laughs> it and was really crazy. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to be able to go to the retreat. I thought my money was gone. That was it. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned that you lived in Clapham and I was living in Putney at the time. And, and I sent Allison a, a PM on Ravelry and I was like, hey, I'm also an expat and I live in the area. So if you want to meet up and you have any questions about anything and, you know, so on and so forth, you know, I'm happy to do that. And we met up at coffee shop in Putney. It was literally my fourth day here. (laughs) Like it was, it was a Wednesday. Yes. And I had only arrived on the Saturday and, you know, sitting at the breakfast table, they were just in temporary accommodations. And my husband says, Oh, he's like, so what do you have on today? And I said, well, after I drop Harrison off, I have to figure out how to get to Putney because I'm meeting Rachel for a coffee. And he just (laughs) gives me this look. Who is Rachel? How do you even know anybody you just got here? And he just gives me this look. And I said, what? You were never worried about me moving here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you weren't going to have any trouble. I will take care of myself. Thank you very much. Uh, But yeah, we met at our favorite coffee place. Yep. Sounds like like we're a couple. Um, (laughs) We are sort of. Um, We met at our favorite coffee place. Um, Three hours later, we were still there. (laughs) And yeah, that was it. It was good. And then I forgot to pick up my son from school. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> you sure it was just coffee? Yeah. 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 It was yeah, just yeah. coffee. That no, time it was just coffee. That time it was just coffee. Well, he 
goes to a school where they um, he's supposed to be picked up after lunch on Wednesdays. And um, I didn't know that because it was only the first week. <laughs> poor, poor Harrison. It's okay. They put him in an after school club and he was very delighted and it was fine. <laughs> as long as you don't ring child services, it's all good. It's all good. Exactly. Nah, they, they figured out what had happened and I didn't even have a phone yet because I'd left my phone in the taxi, like literally right at, like in the airport in Toronto, like when I got nice. to the airport. Um, and so I didn't even have a phone at that point. <laughs> it all worked out. And it was all fine. It'll come out yeah. in therapy later. They sort of, they sort of figured that, you know, something like that had happened because we were new and luckily it was his teacher who ran the after school yeah. club. So she just kept him and she let me know at the end of the, the end of the day when I picked him up. So it was all good. Yeah. And then sort of from there, that's mm-hmm. sort of how yarn in the city got started was with the great London yarn crawl. The first, the first edition, one, the first edition, which was yeah. in 2013, 2013. So at what point then did you think, did you go from Rachel's, Oh, we could do this. This is a fun thing we do on Friday afternoon. So we could like do a proper thing. What, what was the tipping point that made you think that was a good idea? Immediately. I don't, I don't think we, there was any sort of, rationale in terms of analysis in terms of is this something that people have done or anything like that we just didn't really I see that for both of us we didn't really have much of a sort of knitting or yarny community in London um the the yarn shop that was closest to where I lived had closed down about a year and a half after I moved so I didn't have a knitting group or a bunch of knitting friends or anything like that. And having been to this retreat in Wales was sort of one of the first times that I'd had the experience of being with a big group of people, my people. <laughs> and uh, I think we thought that it might be an interesting way to try and recreate some of that or build more of our own personal knitting communities in, in London. Um, I also think that going in, we had absolutely no idea of what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so that helped. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. Uh, well, and to be fair, we started small. Um, I also came from a really, um, you know, big knitting community. Toronto has more yarn shops um, per capita than anywhere else in North America. And the community there is pretty amazing. Um, you know, the yarn crawl that they do is phenomenal. And the local yarn shop that I considered my LYS, um, I would take two buses and 40 minutes to get there just because, you know, there was stuff that was closer to me, but the one that I considered my LYS, um, you know, had an amazing community and just really great friendships and, you know, people that I'm still in touch with, um, just the way that they've supported the community and and listened to the community and, and built the shop for the community, I think is, you know, really, um, it's just, it's just been really, what they've built there is very special. And that's one of the things that I miss most about Toronto is that, that community. And so trying to find a place where, you know, you could have a sense of that in London, I think is sort of what we were going for. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Even if it's once a year. Well, it's not once a year anymore, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it, it's not in the long... last six months. Yeah. So 
just diverting a little bit here what again it's kind of like a trigger thing what made you decide to take it from your once a year event to multiple per year events and a book <laughs> ah, madness <laughs> complete insanity yeah um i think we just recognized that there was um a bit of a void in the market here um for you know there's lots of um different shows popping up and um different you know classes and things that happen in shops or at shows and festivals and you know we recognize that as the community grows here and people are more aware of ravelry and that it doesn't knitting and spinning and whatever it is we do at home with our craft doesn't have to be a solitary thing that there are other people doing it on their own but that hey isn't it fun if we can do it together and chat with like-minded people because we often share similar values and whatever mm -hmm. else um that you know people have been I think looking for something a little bit different and knitters are fickle and they want to know what the next thing is and who's the next hot indie dyer and what's the next hot pattern and that kind of thing. And so from our point of view, um, tapping into that, coming up with something new and fun and different and keeping it um, interesting, um, sort of experiential events, I think is, is basically how we're we're approaching what we're doing with yarn in the city. And I think we also have tried each year with the yarn crawl to do something a little bit different each time. So the first yarn crawl was kind of, you know, we're just gonna try this out and see how it goes. And we got some really good feedback from people. And the next year we expanded it and included more shops and kind of expanded the, the range. So initially we tried to stick with shops that were fairly well into central London because we didn't want people to have to spend a huge amount of time traveling. But we added in shops in uh, St. Margaret's and Wimbledon last year. And then this year to do something different, we've completely lost our ever loving minds and are having the yarn crawl and a marketplace and workshops on the next day. Um, and I think really this sort of multiple events thing has something that has only really been happening or that we've been getting into since last year's yarn crawl. Yeah. So it's only about six months that we've been completely nuts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, the marketplace, um, you know, I know I said before, lots of people are, there are lots of marketplaces and, and festivals mm -hmm. and things, yarn shows that have happened. And that's one of the reasons why we, we only wanted to do it for one day. Um, a, because it's a lot of work, but B um, I think you know, one of, another reason that we started the Yarn Crawl was to sort of celebrate the shops in London mm -hmm. and the London knitting community. But as our um, connections have grown within the community um, and certainly through our podcast, we've come to really celebrate a lot of what's going on in the wider UK knitting community. And we thought that the pop-up marketplace was a great way to showcase some of those people who maybe aren't in London. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, who are also celebrated um, within our within our community. And we're really thrilled that so many people have gone on board. You know, we've got over 30 vendors who are coming to the marketplace. So that's pretty exciting for us. And, you know, we're very humbled that they're they're putting their trust in us mm -hmm. for for this event, for a first time event. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. So 
obviously there's been lots of transformation and change, lots of big ideas, lots of getting all completely overexcited, probably fueled in no way by the amount of coffee you two girls drink. Um, <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here, massively. There might be, yeah. <laughs> and Prosecco, you guys like Prosecco too, you come my kind of girls. Yep. Um, yeah. but, Allison is big on the Prosecco, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's more of a beer girl. <laughs> Oh, I can rock both of those. I'll leave the coffee, just go with the Prosecco and beer. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah. it's, awesome. it's you know, it depends entirely on the time of day. It's either one or the other. Absolutely. Although, having agreed with that, it sounds like I have beer with my breakfast. Um, oh. Which wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, anyway, alcoholism aside. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no journey is ever a smooth one. And obviously, you've you've done so many new things recently. Um, it's probably you've probably got a great example you can bring to mind um, where business sort of has its ups and downs can you think of a time where things maybe didn't quite go to plan and what happened yeah. and what you learned as a result of it absolutely <laughs> uh-huh yeah go ahead um we won't say which one but one of our events um we planned reasonably quickly and I think we learned from that that we needed, A, we needed a little more time and B, to set up parameters in terms of, um, you know, a break-even point. And so we, we actually went ahead with the event um, and did not make any money. In fact, we lost money mm -hmm. on the event. Um, but from our point of view, because we had um, done it in a fairly short timeline, um, we needed to go ahead anyway, because from a marketing perspective, we thought that that, we know that that would have looked worse to cancel. Yeah. Um, especially as a new company going forward. And this is sort of our, our thing, MO, <laughs> you know, is, is doing experiential events. Um, so I don't think, um, anybody knew that anything was different about the event, which was basically what we wanted to achieve. Um, but it was definitely a learning experience for us that, that we've, you know, um, carried forward in terms of knowing right up front how many tickets we need to sell for something to break even. Yeah. And, um, you know, being very aware and, and anybody that we're partnering with is aware that, um, that we need to sell a certain number of tickets. And if we don't, um, then, you know, we, we will not go forward with the event. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we both have very, very supportive partners, but if we start having a lot of money going out from our own sort of home budgets to, to fund these things, that's not a sustainable uh, business model for anyone, much no. less <laughs> us no. personally. Yeah. It's a business at the end of the day. It is. Yeah. And I think this, this event that we had this sort of short timeline and didn't end up selling enough to cover the costs of it, um, it made it very clear to us that we need to run those numbers very um, concretely ahead of time. I mean, we had talked about, oh, if we sell this number of tickets, then blah, 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 you know, we'd done it sort of on a back of the envelope kind of scale. Um, but it made it very clear that we really needed to nail down mm -hmm. those numbers ahead of time and adjust them based on, you know, costs of whatever is involved in running the event to make sure that we were going to break even or uh, make a bit of profit or so that we could 
you know, help pay the people that are involved in our events going forward. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's one thing to, to cover our expenses, but it's always nice to make a little mm-hmm. as well, right? It's kind um, of the idea. <laughs> which is, you know, hey, it's a business. I mean, I think that if you look at the, the sort of fiber festivals and the fiber events that happen in the UK, um, I don't think anybody is making a lot of money. The ones that are successful are the ones that are smart about and 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 are realistic about the costs and the expenses and what it's going mm-hmm. to take to cover the cost of putting the events on. Oh, that was it. Um, the uh, the the thing that we've learned too from that is that you know we've learned how to be a little bit how to operate a little more lean and mean with our events, mm-hmm. right? So that particular format maybe wasn't right. Wasn't the best one. So we've tried something else since and you know, been far more successful, which is great. Um, yeah. And I think it's, well, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. Cause I mean, there's all, uh, I don't know what, what Apple, I, do, I have an idea what you guys think about this because, um, having listened to a few of your podcasts and this kind of subject being touched on here and there, there's, I, I don't, there almost seems to be like a kind of apologising for making a living in this industry kind of Mm. prevailing attitude and a perception from some people that in order to work in the industry, you need to have a sort of a husband who will support your entire lifestyle. Yeah. Um, And actually, regardless of which industry you're in, business is business and ultimately there is a bottom line. And like, as you said, running the financials and making sure that it is viable is really important and can be difficult if you're especially if you're a creative slightly entrepreneurial type and you get all these ideas and they're all going to work and they're very yep. exciting <laughs> um, sometimes the less glamorous aspects can sort of be overlooked in the general excitement of getting stuff well that's grade. exactly it like people Absolutely. need to understand you know and and i think that's why maybe some shows start and then fail because everybody thinks oh, I could start a show or I could do that or whatever. And they don't realize the sheer volume of work that goes into it. Um, so yes, we started with the yarn crawl and we were having a great time and, you know, we have based it on the model of the TTC knit along in Toronto where it's a charity event and they Mm -hmm. raise the money for sistering, which is, um, a women's charity in Toronto. And we thought that that was a really, nice way to give back, not just to the shops and, and bringing people to the shops to buy yarn, um, but to support the wider community. And so the yarn crawl is our charity event, um, but none of the rest of the events are. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, you, Joe, you bring up one, one of my pet uh, issues, <laughs> which is the general undervaluing, A, by creative people of their own work, but also of other people of creative work, right? So it, it's the sort of the story you hear all the time of someone who comes up to you and says, oh, I love your socks. Would you knit me a pair? And then you explain to them, well, you know, the yarn costs 20 quid a skein and then it takes me however many hours. So if I paid myself a living wage, yeah, these socks would be about 200 pounds. And they're like, mm, I think I'll just go to Primark and get socks instead. And we feel guilty for 
well, we as a generalization, I feel guilty about valuing my own work at a reasonable wage. And I think that's a big issue in in creative industries in general and in the the knitting industry, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, Um, definitely. So I think we try to be very clear about the fact that you know, Yarn in the City is a business. Yes, the Yarn Crawl is a charity event. It will continue as a charity event for as long as we do it. Um, but there are expenses that go into all these other things, and we're not doing them just to kind of go and hang out with people and go to yarn shops because there's a lot of work that goes into each one before we even get to the event on the day. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's really important points, and a lot of kind of the subjects that are talked about within these interviews that I do in particular is more of the kind of entrepreneurial aspects and the business aspects and the work that goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. to support all of this so I think it's really an important lesson for people who are thinking about it and I get a lot of messages from people saying I want to start a business what should I do um is financials are the the bedrock of everything and you can't be shy with yourself about that you know you can't shy away from the fact that it's got to it's got to be viable. And and it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, right? I yes. Mean, I grew up British. in New England. <laughs> yeah. we, and, and like the British, we do not talk about yeah, money. Yeah, Canadians right? don't talk about money either. This is like, you know, there are three things you don't talk about, money, politics, and religion. That's it. <laughs> um, but as a business person or as an entrepreneur or as a creative trying to make a living, um, these are important questions that you have to think about and you have to talk about uh, for it to be a viable business. Yeah. And you have to be comfortable with yourself up, you know, first and foremost, and so that you are comfortable being upfront with people. Um, I had an email a couple of weeks ago, um, asking, you know, for a coffee meeting to pick my brain about, um, about a project and, you know, would that be something that I could help with? And they thought that my experience, um, as a sales rep would, you know, be helpful, but they understood if it was a conflict of interest with, you know, what I did as a sales rep for Sweet Georgia. And because that kind of conversation is easier in person than on email, I rang them up and I said, I have absolutely, it's not a conflict of interest and I have absolutely no problems, um, you know, talking through what you're proposing, but you should know that when I've helped other people with this question before, um, I've been paid for it because this is the kind of thing that I do through my you know, marketing and business consultancy. And they were like, oh, oh my God, we should have thought of that. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. And, you know, which is completely fair, but um, it would have been very easy for me to just sort of go to that coffee and, you know, have a meeting, which I'm sure would have, you know, been two hours of my mm-hmm. time plus travel time and, you know, spin out all these ideas and thoughts and whatever, um, and then, you know, not been paid for it. Yeah. Um, and I think you just have to be really, um, assertive and know, and know where you stand with. And it's not something that a lot of women in particular are comfortable with. Yeah. Asserting themselves, which is a whole other that's true too. Whole other conversation. It's a whole, it is it's a whole other com- maybe we should have another conversation about it um, at some stage absolutely <laughs> i think it's very interesting it so taking it from the nitty-gritty of the business then back mm. to the nitty and the kind of general excitement and what's been the high point of your journey so far with yarn in the city 
Oh, maybe yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> we put tickets on sale yesterday for uh, for this year's yarn crawl, as well as the pop up marketplace, and, um, and the workshops and two workshops uh, with Kate Atherley, who's coming over from Toronto. Um, she's going to teach her introduction to knitwear design as well as her pattern writing skills workshop. Um, so we're pretty stoked about that. But we put the tickets on sale yesterday, and um, we're fifty percent sold on the yarn crawl already. And doing a brisk business yep. on the workshops and uh, advanced tickets to the marketplace. Yep. So it's, uh, it's that quite was, exciting. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. So sort of, I pushed them all live at 10 o'clock yesterday morning and went to make a pot of coffee. And I came back and the email account notices from PayPal had like blown up. <laughs> um, and I kind of sat there for the next half an hour going, oh my gosh. And I was in a work meeting and I had to put my phone on silent because it kept going bing, 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 bing. every time I got an email. And I was like, oh, my God, this is embarrassing. I was like, I'm so sorry. But I'm just going to turn this off yeah, now. Uh, anyway, it was. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty exciting. It's, it's nice. Good. It's nice. And um, and to their credit, our uh, our honeys have been pretty supportive, too. They were they were just as excited as we are. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so. great. Because it takes a while to, for things to get moving, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's this is our third year. It's um, and it's like Rachel said, it's only been really the last six months that we've sort of expanded things a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of. It's, it takes time to to get the ship moving in the right direction. Yes, <laughs> the Titanic, <laughs> <laughs> not the Titanic, the QE two, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> So what has been the best piece of advice you've ever received? I can't think of a particular instance in which somebody has said this to me, but it's sort of a general theme that I've seen around and that really strikes a chord with me, which is don't, if you think of something you want to do, don't wait, right? It's so easy to think of things and say, oh, that would be fun. And then just sort of carry on with your normal everyday yeah. life. It's like, if you think of something and you have a good idea, go for it. Don't sit around and think about how it would be nice to do it. Just go do it. Ha, huh, just do it. There you go. Nike. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> they should totally sponsor my podcast. Lots they of people should. Say that. And, and then Nike get a, a name check for nothing. I'm going to start billing them, I think. I think should. Absolutely. <laughs> this girl can. So they There's your invoice. Wait, 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 um, that would be awesome. <laughs> Sponsored yeah. by Swoosh. There was a class I did. I mean, this was years ago, actually. Rach, I think I was telling you this the other day, um, where the person, the the one of the key pieces of advice was to celebrate every moment along the step of the way. Don't just wait to open the bottle of prosecco or champagne or whatever mm -hmm. at the end. That you know, it it's especially in our business when sometimes the hurdles are really high to get to each little stage of a project that you should celebrate at every single one of those stages. I'm not saying, you know, get wasted or anything, <laughs> but, but find, find some way to sort of celebrate or, you know, acknowledge the, toast accomplishment. And acknowledge the accomplishment. That's exactly and right. Successes. Yeah. And, and celebrate those because those are, I think what keep you moving forward. And that's what certainly what keeps us moving forward. Yeah. My other piece of advice would be have a good business partner. <laughs> Share the load. <laughs> have, a, have a business partner who has different strengths than you. I think that's another good one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Allison is the marketing guru. Left or, to my own devices, <laughs> I would, you know, sit in a corner and play it. with yarn and <laughs> not talk to anybody. So um, having somebody whose strengths balance out your own strengths is a really good, mm-hmm. good thing mm-hmm. if you can manage to work it that way. Yeah. And, and it's similar personalities, right? Like if one of you is really uptight and sort of gets stressed easily about stuff and the other one is super laid back, like that might not work, right? For you guys. But um, I think Rachel and I both get stressed at different points about different things. So it balances both, out. So it balances <laughs> out, but we're both pretty um, laid back the rest of the time. So, um, and, you know, the other key thing is that we're having fun. And also in terms of a partnership, working together and having regular check-ins. I mean, it, I think it helps that, you know, we were friends first, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people who've gone into business with their friends and it's been a complete disaster um, for the business as well as the friendship. And so every so often, you know, Rachel and I will have a check-in and we're like, we're good, right? Or, yeah. <laughs> Um, have I ticked you off or um, I'm I'm recognizing that tone. Okay. So I need to, you know, back Uh, off a little. uh, Recently, Allison called me and she said, you know, I'm really sorry about this. That was really inconsiderate of me to, you know, sort of assume that you were going to take care of that bit of it. I was like, no, that was totally fine. You were doing something else and it, it all sorted out. But the fact that we're able to have those conversations and sort of recognize, Ooh, that may not have been a cool thing to do and talk about it makes a huge difference because then we're not sort of, you know, hiding stuff that we're irritated about under yeah, the surface. Taking and advantage. It, yeah, yeah. And I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping sort of the business aspects of our relationship sort of s- s- more or less separate from the sort of friendship sides of the, of the relationship. Yeah. Um, although we do have a horrible tendency to talk about the business stuff all the time. And I apologize to everybody who comes to our knit night who has to sit and like listen to us gab about things very cryptically because we can't talk about them in full detail. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. You can, you can smack us around when we do that. It's fine. It's all good. Rachel can still only take me in small doses anyway. <laughs> this is the sort of introvert extrovert thing, right? Allison is so enthusiastic and so full of energy. And occasionally I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go close the door now. (laughs) I think on the last podcast you were talking about, oh, so we had this yarn crawl to Brighton a few weeks ago. And then the next day we ran a 10K. And so I spent. Basically, Rachel spent like, you know, 16 hours with me in a weekend. Out of 24. (laughs) (laughs) She said, I started to recognize that kind of look and that tone of voice. And we're like, I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. (laughs) You're like, I got to go. It's all good. Okay. All good. You don't take it personally, I hope. Well, not usually. Depends on the day. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it on to the yarn again then, because we love a bit of yarn. And I know you ladies have fantastic taste in yarn. We do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And modest. And modest. Very modest. And modest. Well, the first one will be, um, which one thing that you know now did you wish you had known when you first picked up a ball of yarn? It doesn't have to be perfect. That I remember starting off knitting and feeling very anxious about getting something at the end that was perfect. And you know what? You can fix it. 
if you make a mistake, you can either leave it as it is and call it a design feature. Not that I have ever done that ever. Or you can rip it back and you can fix it. It's not like in sewing where if you cut something out and you've made a mistake, that fabric is wasted, right? The yarn unravels, you can knit it back up again into something else. Hmm. What do I wish I knew? I wish I knew more about sweater quantities when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I have some like great random skeins of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that would be so great for a sweater. And it, you know, at a certain point down the line, I discovered hand dyed yarns and yeah, there's not enough there to make a sweater. Or I wish I'd also discovered that I wish I'd known that I wasn't necessarily going to be the greatest fan of lace or at least knitting lace shawls. Cause, and it's not that I'm not a fan. I'm just not very proficient at it. Do you have a lot um, of lace weight then? I have shed loads of lace weight and it's very lovely, but I don't know that it's going to all be knit in my lifetime. Yeah. I'm kind of, I might, I might be at Sable. No, <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Getting there. Getting, Getting there. there. We've both been trying to um, cold sheep this year, so not buy yarn as much as it's physically possible. It's not always physically possible not yeah. to buy yarn. I may blow that out of the water at the yarn crawl at the uh, pop-up marketplace. I think you're allowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of blew it out of the water with the Volmiza at uh, I the Inet Fandango. But, but when are you going to get to see it in person and pet it? And it has that, cashmere in it. In those quantities. Yeah. Do you have any top tips for managing uh, stash acquisition slash coal sheeping slash, and we were talking about this last week, um, how to store your finished objects? Because everyone talks about stash storage and what you need to do, but not as many people talk about what you do with all this stuff once you've knit it. Yeah, I saw that on your podcast and I want to know what people's top tips are for storing your whips because mine are in a giant <laughs> box that is kind of overflowed into a second box. Um, I am monogamous knitter. Um, top tips for what? Sorry, storing your, storing your finished your, objects. Your finished objects? Yeah. I don't have that many. Like I give, I give away give a lot away. of stuff. Give I'm trying to not do that option. too. Sorry? <laughs> Giving away is a good storage option. It's it, not your it problem. Is a storage <laughs> option. Yeah. I, I don't have any great ideas about storing either, but I would say that it's really easy to make all of these beautiful things and then put them away somewhere and not wear them. Please wear your shawls and your scarves and your hats and your sweaters. And I mean, you've spent all this time knitting them. You picked out the yarn, you've done the oh, finishing. Yes. I don't have that problem. Them. Like stuff wear is them. stored, stuff is stored where it belongs. Right. So the two cardigans are in the cupboard. Actually right now they're sitting on top of the washing machine cause they need to have a <laughs> bath and soak, um, and be defuzzed. Um, Shawls are like stuffed in the accessories yeah. bin that's in our front hall, you know. Yeah, you're, you're really good about wearing all of your stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, hell yes, I spent all that time <laughs> knitting that. Of course I'm going to wear it. Or things that people have given me, right? Like those are all in the same place so that I can, you know, whip that on really quickly. Um, I'm not wearing anything hand knit today just because it's so flipping hot. Um, but yeah, I'm usually, I'm yeah. usually got something on. That's, I think that's the best way to store it is put it with your stuff so that you're going to wear it. Going back to the question about stash acquisition, um, 
I'm usually pretty good about buying yarn. I think that's because I have more spinning fiber than is really healthy for any five people, much less one person alone. So, But your loft is very well insulated. Oh, God, is it? (laughs) Um, But I think the thing about stash is that it's so easy to go into a yarn shop and get overwhelmed. And it's, it's going back to that excitement, right? Oh, there's so much possibility and so much potential here. And I'm going to buy all the things. Um, I find it helps if I go into a shop, you know, I will be that that person walking around carrying an armload of skeins within about 15 minutes. These are my precious. Nobody else can have them. Um, but I try to then sort of (laughs) come back to sanity and sort of look at all that yarn and say, okay, what am I actually going to do with this? Do I have a project in mind? Do I just want it? Cause it's pretty, not that there's anything wrong with that. And sometimes I do just want something cause it's pretty and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And I will get it just to have as a, as a special skein for something <coughs> else down the line, but having an idea of a project in mind, and it doesn't have to be a particular pattern. It could be, this is going to be a shawl. This is going to be a pair of socks for me, for my grandmother, for whoever. Um, Having a project in mind helps me not walk out of the shop a hundred quid poorer with a bag full of skeins that I don't know what I'm going to do with. Um, The other thing that I've found has been really helpful is this year in January, I finally updated my Ravelry stash. So I have a much better idea of what yarn I do actually have. And I can look at a, at a skein of yarn and say, okay, I want to make a shawl out of this. Well, wait a minute. Do I already have something? That <coughs> <I work? coughs> Sorry. For that. Um, so as to having a sort of better idea of what I actually already have helps me resist the, the wool fumes a little bit more. Yeah, I think having your stash up to date in Ravelry is really great. I mean, I'll often go into a shop and I'll see a sample knit up. And I mean, let me tell you, it's an, it's a bit of an occupational hazard working as a sales rep. Cause I go into a lot of yarn shops um, and I'll see these fabulous samples and I'll be like, Ooh, and Oh, I like that yarn. Okay. But if I, if I take the time to sort of pull out my phone and look at my stash, I can sort of say, Oh, I've got something at home that I could knit that in. And it's a lot easier on my pocketbook to just walk out of there with the pattern Mm-hmm. or with the pattern written down so that I can buy it on Ravelry later uh, than it is for me to, you know, walk out of there with a whole armful of yarn. The other thing, too, is that, um, you know, my mom said this to me years ago. She said it's, you know, the the money you spend on your stash isn't a waste of money unless you're not knitting it right away. And at which point you sort of, yeah, it's just, it's, cash that I've spent that's just sitting there and it's not being knit. And just because I bought it doesn't mean I bought the time to knit it. And sometimes I think we, we do that. We get that sort of aspirational idea in our head that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to knit this and it's going to be fabulous and it'll be done in six weeks. And because I have a time machine in my basement. Yeah. I can create (laughs) a time turner (laughs) 15 hours in every day to knit all of this yarn that I'm buying. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. But the only problem with putting all of your stuff on Ravelry, not that I'm a person that likes to find problems with things, but um, I started doing that because I also felt, I got to a point where I felt like I was not enjoying the stash anymore because I couldn't go to a shop and buy something because I would get like that kind of tight-chested guilt of 
there is so much beauty in my stash and I evangelize about freeing your skeins and knitting things that are beautiful with stuff that you want to just use and not saving things for best because you only live once and then getting that that kind of tight chested feeling and thinking right I'm going to get on top of it I'm going to put all my stuff on Ravelry so I did not even all of it not even half of it and then got bantered by my more sensible friend Sockkit um because she's quite restrained and she like she has a couple of skeins and then she knits them and then she buys a couple more and she's like, what are you doing with five kilograms of nurturing fibres? And I'm just like, dude, it's not there for you to banter me. It's not there for me to, you know, for you to cross-examine my collection. Exactly. It's there for my own personal reference. And I like it. And I was never, ever going to go back to Africa again. So clearly I needed to bulk buy lots of it. And um, it's keeping my house warm now. Exactly. There you go. Cutting down on your heating bills. The, I mean, the other thing is there's a gal in Toronto I know who, um, you know, she was meeting with her financial planner, uh, you know, to chat about retirement and, and, you know, her RRSPs and, um, her, her savings. And he was like, well, what do you, where's your savings? And she's like, well, here it is. And so she pulled up the spreadsheet that she downloaded from Ravelry because she has all of her stash in there. She actually also does it for insurance purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, and her insurance has accepted it because she's put in the price she paid for everything. And I mean, I'm sure it's easily over ten thousand dollars worth of stash um easily wow but and because you know she's she's um invested she's seriously invested in your and she's like this is my retirement this is what i will be doing during my retirement i'm buying it now while i can afford it because i won't be able to afford it when i'm retired but um it, yeah she she's got it all tracked and and actually her you know if there was ever a fire in her house or anything yeah. i think her insurance has accepted the spreadsheet as a separate rider <laughs> to her so that's another advantage for putting all your stuff in Ravelry. Although I purposely don't put the money in what I've spent on it just because, yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. So you've got me thinking about reinforcing the yarn vault now, thinking, you know, like you get fireproof boxes to store yeah. your stuff in. I think I need a fireproof yarn vault to put my yarn in because some, some of it you'll never get again. It's called a panic room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> People running into the spare room and throwing it all out of the window before the children. <laughs> Well, you throw it out of the window first and then you throw the children out and they land on the stash and everything's fine. There yeah. you go. Virus gate plan. Sorted. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about your skeins then, and we've, we've kind of uh, gone into the stash a little bit there. What is your desert island skein? If you were going to be marooned on a desert island and you could only take one, or if indeed your house was going to set on fire and you could only save one skein along with your family, um, which would it be? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> does it have to be just one D don't panic don't think about it but yes you, you only okay. get one regardless of whether you go for the fire or desert island option you only get to take you, one you only get to take one okay yeah the, the, the scene is, is is kind of immaterial it's the fact you only get to take one oh don't what do you think call. i don't know i'm like i'm thinking about the beaver fur yarn I'm <laughs> yes i do have a skein of yarn made from beaver fur um, as you, as one does, as one does. I'm Canadian. What are you going to do? <laughs> Those are going to be really warm mitts when they're knit. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are all kinds of banter, low level in the bar banter comments going through my head right now that are in no way acceptable. <laughs> yes, don't just, just <laughs> let that one go. I'll put my pen in my mouth. You girls carry on. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a separate knit night on Skype, Joe. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm waiting for Allison to go first because I have no earthly idea. You have to commit because your house is on fire and the fire is coming up the stairs now. So you need to pick one and get out of that window. Mine are all in Ziploc bags with about four skeins in them. So So whatever I grab would probably... Come with friends. Yeah. Oh. I've got a sweater lot of shepherd's wool that I got several years ago. And this is sort of beautiful teal sea green that I think would be the thing I would grab because it's really soft and lovely. Even if I just managed to grab one skein of it, I mean, it's all still in a bag. So hopefully I'd be able to grab all of them. Um, I think that would be the thing I would, I would grab on the way out the door. Yeah. I've got a sweater's quantity of viola from when she stopped dying Mm. um, before she moved to the UK. And, uh, yeah, probably one of those. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard question, though. Yeah, super hard question. Well, well done. Well done, yeah. Joe. <laughs> it depends on, on your point of view. Good yeah. old KD wanted to take like an entire skin of lace weight so she could knit herself some lacy undergarments. <laughs> Gotta love KD. Awesome. Pop her down to earth. So what's your favourite go-to resource for yarn craft or business, then, that you couldn't really do without? Probably Ravelry. Ravelry. <laughs> yeah. I think I think on both fronts because it's you know it's a fabulous way to get information about different sorts of crafty stuff. But from a business perspective, it's also a really good place to get feedback on what people are looking for, what they want. I mean, not even in a sort of overt "Hey, tell us what you want" kind of way. Just yeah. going through the forums and looking at what people are commenting on and getting excited about is a really great resource from a business perspective too. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, being able to chat with other like-minded people um, in different capacities, whether it's, you know, the supporters and fans we have in our group or um, chatting with other designers or um, business people in other forums, um, I think is really great. And it's a really great tool for for marketing as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, a lot of social media is good for stuff like that. So Twitter and, and that kind of thing as well works really well. Cool. So where then can the listeners come to find you girls? Well, (laughs) they should should definitely check out our website um, at yarninthecity.com. But we also have a group on Ravelry and um, we've got a page on Facebook and we're active on Twitter and sometimes Instagram. And uh, yeah, if people wanted to even send us a note and say hello. Um, actually, we're also looking for volunteers for the Yarn Crawl. We should mention that. Um, and the pop-up marketplace. Um, people can send us an email at hello at yarninthecity.com. You do have a podcast also? We, we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> How did we forget? Yeah. Which is also on the website. Yep. Yeah. yeah. In, in which we chat about whatever topic Nonsense. happens to be burning yes. in our brains at the it's moment. It's very... Um, it's very relaxed, very relaxed. Yeah. Actually, somebody um, said to me a while ago, they said, oh, I feel like when I listen to your podcast, I'm just hanging out in your living room with you guys and knitting. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. That's probably like, I think one of the best compliments we've had about the, the podcast, mm-hmm. but it also is completely indicative of the fact that it's just very random <laughs> and whatever <laughs> happens to, you know, um, come on our radar at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Prick our fancy. 
Oh, that should be good. I'm sure my listeners are quite used to random by now. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do any perfume reviews, sadly. Yeah, no, no perfume reviews. Oh, have you got any requests for the perfume review? I can't, I can't oblige. Oh, I don't wear perfume, so I don't have any. <laughs> but what did you wear when you were like 15 and wanting to impress? Oh, I've did, blocked it out when completely. When I was 13, <laughs> it was all about the, the Giorgio Beverly Hills. Giorgio Beverly Hills called for and got Mrs. Thistlewood. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, oh, the 80s. <laughs> Love it. I'll, I'll yeah. even perm my hair for you. How do you like that? Woohoo! Um, I could do the bit of volume, you know. This weather you know, is doing me no favours. <laughs> ta- talking about the 80s and about the, you know, sort of the, the dark side of social media, I, I, I got tagged. I don't go on Facebook very much on a personal level just because it's not really a good fit for me. But I got this notification a couple days ago that a picture of me had been posted and I went to look at the picture and it was from when I was 15 and I had a spoon hanging off my nose and the remnants of a very bad perm. And I thought, this, this is why social media is a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. Because this should never like happen. <laughs> yeah, and throwback Thursdays. Oh, no. It was bad. I mean, I showed my husband the picture and there were several people in the picture and he's like, so which one is you? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? It's okay if it's a picture where I look hot, okay? Right. You know, I've got great legs and, you know, my 22-year-old body. But this was not hot in yeah. any way, shape, or form. No. <laughs> no. Anyway. It's all good. Cool. So do you have any parting words of advice for anyone who's maybe thinking of starting a venture or getting into the industry? I think make a plan. Yeah. No, be really honest with yourself about what it is that you want to do and why you want to do it. What you're hoping to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. And use that as a, as a touchstone moving forward. And, and I think we can all agree that, you know, it's very easy to get really, really, really excited about an idea or a project. Um, but that needs to be tempered with some pretty serious thinking about how it's all going to happen and what you're going to need in terms of time and resources and help from other people to actually make it a reality. Yeah. There will always be more ideas than time. And it's okay to not do all of them. Remember that, Alison. I know. Actually, I said to Rachel a few weeks ago, I'm like, okay, if I say to you, I have an idea. Within the next four months, just tell me no. (laughs) I think we're already up to 2017. So we'll just... Stop there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you ha- is there any information that you can give us? Any little hints or tips about what might be coming up after we have really, Yeah, we have a really special guest um, who will be visiting from the states. Um, who we're doing? Um, who will be doing a lecture for us in October? In October, and in November, um, we will be doing a yarn crawl. Um, again, but this time in Bath. And that'll be it for, for the rest of this year. And then we've got some other cool stuff happening. The other thing that we have in the works, because planning the marketplace and the yarn crawl wasn't enough of a challenge, um, we are working on a book that is a direct outgrowth of the yarn crawl. So it's profiles of yarn and fabric and haberdashery shops in London. 
it's got some really lovely knitting, crochet, and sewing patterns in it. And uh, that should be available at the Yarn Crawl at the Touch Marketplace. Wood. Touch wood. At the very least, you know, uh, it'll be available for pre-sale at the Marketplace. So we're really excited about that, too. Yeah, some really great designers um, have, have uh, come on board to take part in that, so... We're pretty excited about that. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Well, I know you ladies are on a tight timeline because you know all these projects they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna do themselves. So if only. <laughs> so thank you very, very much for agreeing to come on the show and chat to us today and for all of the advice and tips that you've offered. Thank you so much for having us, Joe. Yeah, thanks Joe. It's been really great talking to you. Yeah, as always. <laughs> Next time we'll do it later in the day with beer. Yeah, absolutely. Or Prosecco. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, so many things. <laughs> we're, just, we're not even going to answer we, that. We but... won't record that one. I was going to say, maybe that's one for your podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> awesome. Right. Cheers. So I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm sure you'll agree that Alison and Rachel are indeed great fun. So if you want to hear more from them, you can go over and check them out at their podcast, uh, Yarn in the City. So I hope you all have a lovely week. Thank you very much for listening, as always, and I'll speak to you again soon. Look out next week for a very special interview with Susan Crawford. Have a good week. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog, or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink.